0: Okay, so in yesterday's portion of Temchat, at the end, the Benot Tlafchad, the five daughters of Tlafchad who died for some sin of his own, various commentators disagree or argue on what the sin exactly was, but very righteous women, very wise women, and all of them single, come to Meisha and say, um, we want our father's portion because he has no sons, and if we don't receive his portion, his portion will be lost. And Moshe turns to God. What's the rule? And today's portion opens up with chapter 27, verse 6. Hashem says to Moshe, yes, the daughters of Tzolafchad are correct. Daughters of Tzolafchad are correct. They should get their fathers and portion you should transfer their father's portion to them Rashi explains and yes the daughters of Tzalafchad are correct that this is exactly the law as Hashem is saying that I have it and there I saw something that Moshe didn't see next, next comment of Rashi on these same words Rashi explains their claim was proper and how lucky are they How fortunate is a person that Hashem says, yes, I agree with you. Then the Passog uses the double lasho, nason titein, give, give. And Rash explains there's two portions they're going to receive. Their father is one of the leavers of Mitzrayim, so they get his portion. His father was Khefer. He also was one of the Yeitse Mitzrayim. Since then, he's passed away. So since Khefer left Mitzrayim, he also has a portion. His portion is divided among his sons, and Slavchad gets a portion of Khefer's Yerusha. So no Slavchad inherits Slavchad's portion, and they inherit their share of Khefer's portion. It doesn't say, and give them the inheritance. It says, and transfer. Rashi gives two explanations. One is that transfer has the same root word as anger. If someone doesn't try to have a son to inherit after them, there's an anger. The other explanation is transfer is literally transfer, because if a girl receives the inheritance, it's very possible that the land will be transferred out of the shevet, out of the tribe, because inheritance follows the male line. The shevet is as per your father. So, for example, the Tlachot were from Menashe; They were all single. They get their father's portion, which means land of Menashe. If they marry someone from Reuven, when their sons inherit them, their sons are from Reuven. So Menashe loses the land of their inheritance, this ancestral Menashe land, suddenly becomes Reuven land. Now for Benot that didn't happen because later in the Chumash we'll find out that people of their tribe complained and said, "What? Well, we're going to lose this land. And for that generation, for Benot they were told to marry only within their own shevet, and they found people from Anasha to marry. But for the future generations, that's not the law. So a woman, if she inherits the land, there is the varta, the land transfers possibly from that shevet land to another shevet. And then the next person. Hashem generalizes this. This isn't just about Benos Tlafcha, this is in general. If a person passes away and he doesn't have a son... Then his land gets transferred, again, the same word, transferred to his daughter. If he doesn't have a daughter, it goes to his brothers. If he doesn't have brothers, it goes to his father's brothers. If he doesn't have father's brothers, he doesn't have uncles, again, this is all from the father's side, if he doesn't have uncles from his father, then you give it to the closest living relative within the family. And then Rashi comments on this closest relative within the family, meaning family means you're the father's side. Again, this is all your shavit. Your- yeah. Judaism is your mother. Don't worry. We're the ones that make certain the child's Jewish. But your family allegiance is on the side of the father. So therefore, maybe not in a spiritual way, spiritually you can inherit from both parents, you know, shavit, tribal qualities and, and powers. But in terms of a legal perspective, the shave it goes according to the father. So if this man died and he doesn't have sons and he doesn't have daughters and he doesn't have a living father and he doesn't have uncles and he doesn't have the closest living male relative from the father's side. Now we're up to verse 12 and we started a new concept. Notice the pay. So now Hashem says to Moshe, go up to Har HaEvarim, go up to Mount Evarim, and see the land that I'm giving the Jewish people. Now, what's the connection, Rashi wonders? We're talking about the daughters of Slavchad and the laws about girls inheriting and laws of inheritance, and suddenly go up on Har Ha'evarim. So this actually has a tremendous link, Rashi says, because when Hashem told Moshe to inherit to no Slavchad the land, Moshe said, oh. If Hashem is telling me to give them the land, maybe the Gezerah, the decree against me, was nullified and I'm going to enter Israel and give them the land. So therefore, God is responding, go up on HaHevarim, my decree is in place, you're not going to Israel, and that's why I want you to ascend here and see the land. Another interpretation of Rashi, sort of similar but different. Because this one is, like, really, really close to Benoslavcha. So this is more general that we just... Moshe is... Right now, we have the idea of Misha giving to the tribes of Gad and Reuven land on the other side of the Jordan. And similarly, Moshe said, oh, if I'm giving them their land, then maybe that decree that can't go into Israel is nullified because I'm giving them their Israeli tribal ancestral land. And Rashi gives a long muscle... In which a king is saying that his son can't go to the, the palace. So the kings go to the gateway, and the son follows. He goes to the courtyard, the son follows. He goes to the entrance, the son follows. He's about to enter the chamber, and the king said, No, my son, from here on, you can't enter. So, in other words, even though you're inheriting to the good and Reuven their land, but Adkan, you can't go into earth, Israel proper, only Everhayardin. And you're going to see the land, the verse continues, because you're going to be gathered up to your people. You're not going to physically walk on it. I want you to see it. You're going to be gathered up just like your brother Aharon was gathered up. So the Rashi questions, why do we have to that phrase? And Rashi gives two answers. One is because Hashem was giving him a comfort here, that Hashem was comparing his passing to Aharon's because Moshe thought, wow, what an amazing passing Aharon had. Kiss of God. He wanted such a passing also, so it was a comfort to him. Another explanation is, Hiram passed away. Why shouldn't you? You both did the same thing. You both didn't sanctify me with those waters by hitting the rock and not speaking to it. If you hadn't, you would not be having the situation. So, therefore, the word, just as Hiram was gathered, is really an illusion to the sin for which Moshe is not going into Eretz Yisrael. So then Rashi questions, why do we have to keep mentioning that? Every time we speak about the passing of Moshe, we always mention the sin. And the reason is a kindness on Hashem's part, because Moshe's whole generation didn't get into Eretz Yisrael for a very severe sin, for not believing in Hashem after the report of the spies. Maisha and Aharon did not give in for a much more mild sin, that they hit the rock instead of speaking to it. So therefore, they asked, Maisha asked, whenever you mention my death, mention the reason for my death. So nobody should ever think I was among those that rebelled against you. And Rashi gives a muscle of two women who were punished by court, one for immoral behavior, adultery, and one for minor transgression, eating products of the shemitah not ripened so this one who had such a minor transgression she's asking publicly announce my sin because I don't want anyone to think I'm getting this punishment because of adultery so so too here now so here in the pasuk Hashem mentions the sin why are you dying because you disobeyed me in the desert of sin with the waters you could have sanctified me and you didn't so Rashi on this Pasek says, Pasik says those were the waters of dispute at Kadesh. Hey, May Marivas Kadesh. Rashi gives two answers here. One, why does the Pasek emphasize this point? To mean exclusively you have no other sin. The only reason you're not going in is for this. Another explanation of Rashi. These are waters that cause problems. The Jews rebelled three times that were involved with water. By Mara, by the Yamsuf, some say some say that's a, that's a mistake. It doesn't mean Yamsuf, it means Rafidim. And these same waters were the waters of the rebellion at Sin. Now, why does Rosh have to mention this? So some say it's that Maisha and Aaron should be more careful. They already saw twice there was a mess-up that had to do on some level with water they should have realized others say that no again this is to specify that even Misha and Aaron who got messed up with the water it was only the water of sin that was their mess up but the other offenses of water had absolutely nothing to do with them now we're continuing so here Hashem was telling Misha basically you're about to die and that's why I want you to go up on Har Varim and, and see what you won't step on so continuing this theme, Maisha says to Hashem, if I'm going to pass away, Hashem appoint someone to lead the community. Tarashi comments, at first, this shows us how special Tzadikim are. When he's passing away, when we're saying, Maisha, you are passing away, what does he right away think of? Not his own needs. He thinks of the needs of Kali Yisrael. And Maisha says, the Pasuk says, Hashem Laymor. The question is, lemor always means, like, to give over to someone, to Iver Chazer, Which is why very often the Pesach says, and Hashem spoke to Moshe, lemor because Moshe is supposed to give this over, to call yourselves to Aaron, etc. But who's Hashem supposed to give this over to? So Rashi says, lemor here means, answer me. I'm asking you something. I'm asking you to appoint a successor. Answer me if you're going to do this or not. And Moshe says, Yifkod Hashem. Let Hashem appoint. Now here, Rashi says, that Moshe Ma- that was saying, you know what? You just told me to give Tzlovcha's inheritance to his daughters. I also have a personal request. Can my son inherit my leadership? And Hashem said no. No, not your sons, Yehoshua. Why Yehoshua? So Rashi explains because Yehoshua was always by Moshe. He never left Moshe. He never moved from the tent. So for this, Hashem is saying he deserves, he should be the next leader. Now why is Moshe, when he's asking Hashem for a leader... He refers to Hashem in a very specific, unusual title. It says, Yifkot Hashem haruchos. Hashem, the master of the spirit, the God of the spirit should appoint. So Rashi explains why do we use this term for Hashem? Because Moshe is saying, Hashem, you know the spirit of every person. And you know everyone's so dissimilar. So appoint a leader who will know how to reach each and every one of your flock. Moshe continues, a leader who will bring them out, then bring them back in, who will lead them out, who will lead them in, so that the community of Hashem shouldn't be a sheep without a shepherd. So Rashi explains why do we have these four terms, who will go forth before them, who will come back before them, who will lead them out, who will bring them in. So the first point where Moshe is saying who will go forth before them, who will come back before them, we're saying not like the Goyim. The Goyish king stays at home, and his armies go out to war. Like I did. I battled Sihon and Nike, and this is what Yahshua did. And similarly, Rashi David did the same thing. And then, seemingly, it's a double expression. After saying, who will go forth before them and bring them back, go back before them, Tosak repeats it. we will lead them out and bring them in. So here, Rashi says, it means by merit. In other words, the first round was physically. He will physically lead the fighting of the wars. And the second round is with his merit, they will go out, and with his merit, they will come back in. Or she says another explanation on why we have this repetition. We already know he's going to physically fight. What else does this mean? I just saying, Hashem, don't treat him the way you're treating me. Make sure you bring him in to Eretz Yisrael. I'm not going to make it. Make sure he makes it. And then Hashem responds. Right, Moshe said, "I need immediate reassurance." Laymore, you've got to tell me you're going to do this or not. Hashem said, "Take Yehoshua ben Nun, ish bo, the man that has spirit in him, and put your hand on him." So kach take, take by words. How is he taking him? He's taking him by words. How fortunate are you to lead the children of Hashem? Kach lecha take for yourself, meaning, okay, it's not your child but it's someone you know, you personally recognize because you you personally scrutinized him. You He's been following you for 40 years. You know him. Asheruach, though, that he has a spirit, I'm, I'm telling you, he has what you said to me, God of the spirits. He will be able to understand every person's spirit. Put your hand on him. This means... Allow him to talk during your lifetime. Otherwise, people will say, oh, yeah, but my times, he couldn't even open up his mouth. Next, perfect. stand him before Elijah the Koyheen. Remember, Aaron already passed away at this point, and before all the congregation, and command him, Yoshua in front of everyone's eyes, command him about the Jewish people. Know they're going to be difficult. Accept the leadership on condition that you understand how difficult they will be, and we all understand that. Give from your glory on him, so that the Jewish people should hear him. Give from your glory. So Rashi has two points here. Give from your glory, meaning Misha's face had a special shine, a special radiance, which comes which comes from Hashem putting his hand on Misha's face,. So from this radiance, give to him, but from your radiance, not all of your radiance. Moshe was like the sun. Yahshua the moon, so that the Jewish people should hear if you give him from your radiance, they'll revere him the way they revere you. That's why you should give him from your radiance. So they'll treat him reverently. And he's going to be before Eleazar the kohen and he's going to have to ask Allah the kohen through the Urim and Tumim before Hashem. And by that word of the Urim and Tumim, he will bring the Jewish people in and out. So why is Hashem mentioning this point? Maisha, I'm fulfilling your request. You wanted that it to stay in the family. So it will stay in the family because Yahushua is going to be dependent on the kohenah and Eliezer, the nephew. And he's going to ask of him, What's he going to ask, when he needs to go out to war? And by the word of Elazar, all the Jewish people, the entire community, which Rashi says means the Sanhedrin, will behave, will respond. So even though the leader is not your physical descendant, but de facto, someone who really is in essence in a certain level leading and determining and giving over God's words for the future of the Jewish people is. And Maisha immediately did this. Maisha did exactly what Hashem said. He took Yoshua, He placed him before Elijah the kohanim and before the people. Rashi explains he took him, as Rashi said, with words. And then Moshe added something that Hashem didn't ask. Rashi says he told him the tremendous reward for leading the children of Hashem. And then the final pasuk of this section, and Moshe put his hands on him and commanded him like Hashem said. Rashi said this was very generous of Moshe because Hashem said put your hand on him, but he put both hands to fill him overflowing with his wisdom. And like Hashem said, what's left? He already did this. This refers to giving from the radiance of his face. To give from his karan or panav, from his radiant shine of godliness, he bestowed this generously on Yeshua as well.